aware of like even though I'm not training hard still making sure I'm having the right amount of food and having enough um, for injury recovery. I probably also more recently in the last few years try and not put too much pressure on myself like obviously injuries are pretty stressful and try and not go crazy with being super strict with diet and stuff like that just making sure I'm getting good nutrition and helping myself recover and stay sane as best as I can. Hello and welcome to the Long Munch, the nutrition podcast for runners, cyclists and triathletes. My name is Steph Gaskell. I'm an accredited sports dietitian, uh, do a bit of lecturing and research in sports nutrition at Monash University in Melbourne. And I'm joined by my colleague and fellow sports dietitian, lecturer, researcher, Alan McCubbin. How are you, Alan? All right, Steph, lockdown 5.0 here in Melbourne. Um, yeah, look, we got four days back of school, had the school holidays, which we were talking about last week on the on the podcast, and then we got four days back at school where I was just starting to get back into the groove of being productive and getting work done, and then all of a sudden we're back to homeschool and kids at home and everything. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's made life a bit of a challenge, but that's all right. Studies of... Uh, stopped again for now but um yeah that's okay just uh been catching up on a bit of sleep from watching the tour as well tour de france obviously finished last weekend <laughs> um and now obviously gearing up for the olympics which is very exciting kicks off the end of this week yeah that's awesome there um it starts tomorrow some events already yeah i think so you're right actually yeah a couple of them are starting before the the opening ceremony yeah and um so We've had some of the people that are in the Olympics we've had on our show. Yeah, that's right. So we've had, uh, well, there's four uh, guests of ours who are either in Tokyo or on their way. So big shout out to Evan Dunphy, race walker, who was on episode 1B, looking at his experience in the supernova study, uh, looking at low-carb, high-fat diets for race walking performance. Um, so he's Canadian, uh, and his fellow Canadian, Leah Kirchman, was in episode 13B looking at multi-day events. So she's a professional cyclist, so she's over there to do the, um, the I think, the road race and the time trial uh, for, for road cycling. Um, and then uh, two Australian guests, so Emma Jeffcoat was in episode 2B looking at what to eat before and during a long training session. Um, and she's heading off, I think, in a couple of days. I caught up with her last night. Um, but she's off to Tokyo in a couple of days uh, for a triathlon. So both the uh, the standard distance uh, and I think doing the, the mixed team relay as well. Uh, and then the final one, Ellie Pashley, who was in episode 8B, who um, was talking about her experience of iron deficiency and, and taking iron supplements. So she's heading over there to, to do the marathon. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. Um and um, it's it's pretty neat to see as well, uh, like I just saw on the TV, some some people that um, I did some nutrition support work with when I was back in Adelaide um, at the South Australian Sports Institute and helping like the the younger athletes um, with their nutrition in their development and now seeing some of them in the Olympics. It's, um, it's quite neat to, to see. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. For sure. Cool. Um, 
So here on the Long Munch, we take a deep dive into um, the common nutrition questions that you might ask when you're doing a training session or after your training session. Uh, we're here to hopefully help answer some of those questions that you have. Um, and we always have usually a part A and a part B. So part A is with a researcher or practitioner and part B is usually with an athlete or even a coach. Um, and just to give some practical you know, guidance on that uh, particular topic. So uh, we also have some shout outs or a shout out, Alan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So people are free to contact us via social media at The Long Munch on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. And if you've got a particular question that you'd like answered on the podcast, we'd love to hear from you and hear your suggestions or, or just any other feedback or follow up questions to the podcast like we had last week from Hayley um, around sort of vegan options for collagen and this follows on from last week's podcast episode 16a uh, with dr rebecca alcock where she talked about um, both gelatin and particularly collagen um, being the area that she did her phd in uh, and Haley made the good point that that the sources of both gelatin and collagen are animal based and so she asked the question well what's the vegan alternative uh, and so actually we asked rebecca this off air after the episode, we completely forgot to ask it during. Um, but basically, the answer is that there is no good vegan options. Mm, mm -hmm, yep. And um, she was saying, you know, obviously, just to make the most of uh, the protein sources that they have in the uh, vegan diet. Um, yep. And, you know, they have a really good quality and healthy diet. Um, apart from, you know, being able to source the, the collagen. So they're probably already, you know, in a good stead to, to help with the injury recovery. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I think from that perspective, when we talk about collagen and why someone would want to take collagen, there's nothing magical about collagen itself. Uh, it's simply no. that collagen is very high or particularly high in proline uh, and glycine, which are glycine. two main amino acids that are, form part of, of collagen proteins. So um, if you're getting a decent amount of protein from other sources, yes, you may not get exactly that level of proline and glycine, but you're gonna do the best that you can. So yeah, I mean, obviously uh, on a, a vegan or a plant-based diet, then uh, if, you, if you're not able to take collagen um, or gelatin, um, then probably just making sure, as you said, you know, optimizing your protein, variety of protein sources and getting adequate protein is, is the way to go. And I think your know, protein is something that we um, have kind of discussed off air before uh, about doing a, a specific episode just around that and protein supplements for endurance athletes uh, and also uh, a separate one also specifically around vegan diets. So there'll be two episodes that we'll have uh, on, our, on our radar to come up over the next few months. Yeah, yeah. We have episode 16B. Uh, so um, following on from Rebecca Alcock's uh, topic about, you know, nutrition for injury recovery, we are now up to the episode speaking to, a, to an athlete. Um, and so the topic is how can nutrition help my recovery from injury and we have Kate Gifford. Uh, Kate is 
my lovely flatmate. So she's very, very lucky. Or should, should we say lucky or tolerant? Uh, um, she may say tolerant. I'd say lucky. Or a bit of both. <laughs> bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Kate is a, a runner herself. She, um, and we'll find out more about her, her running background. Um, but uh, she's unfortunately uh, run into some trouble at the moment with, with an injury. And she's unfortunately had, um, uh, you know, a few injuries on her running journey. Um, but she's also a strength and conditioning coach and uh, completed a sports science degree and is studying osteopathy as well. So uh, I thought it would be good to get Kate uh, on the show um, just because of her most recent surgery. It's quite a big one. Uh, and just because I've been able to see, you know, uh, practically as well how um, she's been able to put in the nutrition knowledge that she has. And I guess with me annoying her all the time, uh, I thought it would be, you know, just a, a good case study for us to, to go through. Yep. Yeah, no, exactly right. And um, you put it on the record, Steph, that you said annoying. I didn't. Annoying? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I will admit I, I may be a little bit annoying sometimes, but... Um, it's only to keep her on her toes. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, Steph, sounds like it's time to get into this one. So here's episode 16B, How Should My Nutrition Change When I'm Injured, with our special guest, Kate Gifford. Excellent. Let's do it. Kate Gifford, welcome to The Long Munch. Thank you. So you were in the US, North Dakota and Tennessee each for a year with a running scholarship and that was for, I believe, athletics in distance and, and cross country. Can you tell us what this experience was like for you? Yeah, um, it was great. Like I was so lucky to have that experience. I kind of always thought about going and then finally bit the bullet, I guess, and thought I had one chance to do it. So I took the chance. Um, so yeah, I made a lot of lifelong friends my eyes were open to like the much higher level of competition there, um, competing really regularly, um, which was great. And then having my training studies and rehabilitation work all in one spot um, and having, yeah, the facilities were great too. So having that all there was awesome. Um, definitely had some challenges too, um, just having quite a number of serious injuries and health issues while I was there. But um, yeah, it was really great overall. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and when did your love for running first begin? Mm, um, I probably always ran and kind of liked it, um, but then my love for it probably more grew in high school. I was playing hockey and did some rowing as well and just noticed I was getting better at running, um, started putting some more work in by myself outside of school um, and just noticed the more work I put in to a point, the more I improved, started getting some results and just liked that feeling of accomplishment and Winning, I guess, being a bit competitive. <laughs> Not competitive at all. <laughs> <laughs> and was it wasn't to do with you not having much like hand eye ball coordination, was it? No, everyone doesn't need to know that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so you're a strength and conditioning and running coach and 
right now you're currently studying osteopathy. You run with quite a big group, Danine runners. Are there particular injuries that you commonly see with athletes that you work with um, and or that you train with? Yeah, um, so with runners, obviously, there's a lot of lower limb injuries, um, probably the things I've seen the most with training partners and then a little bit with the people I coach as well uh, would be stress fractures in like the feet and tibia, fibula kind of areas. Um, and then a lot of tendinopathies too, so Achilles, tip post, perineal, just a lot of feet stuff in general I think I've had myself and then saved other people. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you also, sorry, I should say you also work at um, – the running company in Clifton Hill. So I imagine you see a lot of people coming in there with um, particular running injuries as well. Yeah, definitely. And then seeing the impact that shoes have on that too. So um, probably there see a lot of plantar fasciitis because shoes play such a big role in that. Um, and then, yeah, tendon stress fracture kind of injuries as well. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so we talked uh, last week, Kate, about, I guess, injuries of different types. So obviously, you know, soft tissue injuries in terms of muscles, um, connective tissue injuries in terms of tendons and ligaments that you just alluded to before, and then obviously bone injuries. It sounds like for you, you've probably had some combination of those over the years. Yeah, um, definitely had a few stress fractures um, and tendon injuries. Um, I've always kind of joke, it sounds weird to say, but I always wish I actually got a lot more stress fractures than tendon injuries because... The tendon injuries I've had always seem to be a lot more long-term and a bit tricky to find an answer to. Mm-hmm. And we were talking last week um, with Dr. Rebecca Alcock, the fact that uh, you know your, your tendons and ligaments have such a low blood supply means that they're incredibly slow to yes, heal, can, uh, which probably doesn't yeah, help. That for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, was there anything sort of looking back with those injuries that you think, like I know why those injuries happened or was it just sort of, those random ones that, that occur particularly in um, running? I think in running probably very rarely for me they've been random. I think I've definitely made a lot of training mistakes um, along the way. Um, probably learning the right balance of cross-training when you're injured. I was super keen to stay fit and always really motivated, so making sure you're not overtraining in the cross-training aspect um, and then fueling appropriately too. Um, and then, yeah, just training mistakes, increasing things too quickly, um, which I've definitely gotten a lot better at over the years. But um, definitely my high school years was very impatient and probably didn't respect the recovery process enough. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think that's a pretty common theme in a lot of a lot of athletes, whether they're runners or, or in some other sport as well. Um, I mean, we haven't talked uh, on this podcast yet really about nutrition and the prevention of injury. Um, particularly in terms of stress fractures and things. So we've sort of alluded to it in a couple of different episodes, but it's something that we will definitely look at down the track. Uh, but today is more, I guess, the the injury rehab and recovery side of things. Um, so moving on to that, um, look, I know you had some recent surgery. Is that the first surgery that you've required for injuries or have you had other operations along the way as well? So when I was 15, I had pretty minor arthroscopic surgery on my hip. I had a labral tear, so I had that repaired. Um, but then more recently, I had more major surgery on my ankle. I had a bone growth called a Haglund's deformity, so that was removed. And then also my retrocalcaneal bursa was removed and then debridement of my Achilles. Mm, sounds like uh, pretty serious stuff in terms of surgery. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. So, so where are you at now with that? I've seen a few pictures online. Uh, you're still in a boot? Yeah, uh, so I'm about 
two and a half weeks post-surgery now. So I was in a kind of bandage brace for two weeks. So I couldn't move my ankle at all. I was pretty much um, elevating my foot almost all of the day. Otherwise, it got pretty sore and numb, tingly. Um, but yeah, yeah, at two weeks, I got into a boot which had four wedges in the boot and then crutches with that. So partial weight bearing now. Um, for the next two weeks and then I'll go on to two weeks of partial weight bearing with one crutch and then at eight weeks post-surgery I should be able to walk without the boot. Yep okay and I don't know if this is a question for you or a question for Steph what's Kate like as an injured person around the house is she the angry one who just waves the crutch and says Steph get this Steph get that (laughs) you like whacking her over the back of the head with it um (laughs) Or are you just sitting there miserable? <laughs> How's that playing out? <laughs> She's actually like, um, she doesn't like asking for help. So I often see her trying to do things and I'm like, Kate, like just ask me, <laughs> like I'm here, I can do it for you. So she's she's not, she, yeah, she's actually really easy and really lovely and yeah, I try and help her as much as I can but she likes doing things herself so sometimes I kind of watched like the other night she was with her crutches right and she needed to take her laptop into her room so she's trying to bloody hold this laptop while having two hands on the crutches and I could just see the laptop nearly falling so I just grabbed it out from her but um, no ringing the bell or, or any annoying things like probably my family would typically do to me <laughs> and no dramatizing no, <laughs> no. <laughs> and so it sounds like Steph's also not the sort of person who goes laptops on the other side of the table oh that's a shame <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm surprised you get the crutch and just flick it out from underneath you or anything like that <laughs> she's not giving it to you that's she's good. actually seen I'm quite a nice person cool. right Kate <laughs> Yeah, I have thought that now it's kind of changed a bit. I'm not sure how I feel about it, but. <laughs> I was going to say, it's, as a result, you're going to keep living together. <laughs> no, it's changed too nice, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, and I saw online as well, um, and we'll, we'll probably talk a bit about this a bit later, um, a video, I think, of from you in your hospital bed. Uh, and most people have been in hospitals will know there's a little whiteboard near the door where the nurses write all the different things when your medications are due, dressing changes, whatever. And Steph decides to take over the, the bottom half of the whiteboard with her nutrition regime, and she's sitting there writing it all up all up for you. Um, is that something that you've sort of, I mean, obviously you haven't had surgery this major before, but for other injuries, is that something that you've thought about before or uh, had any advice on in the past? Um, probably when I was in high school, when I first started getting injured, I definitely didn't consider it so much. I probably more had the mentality I'm not running. It doesn't matter as much. I can not eat as much. Um, even though my energy expenditure probably actually increased because I was cross training so hard. Um, but then more recently, um, the last few years, definitely, um, with my sports science studies last year, um, and then my own experience as well in coaching, definitely I've made it more of an impact and tried to be better with it. So just making sure I've got that timing. Steph's been pretty on to me with having my four protein hits a day. And then, yeah, just research, like, 
did I think I did a project in my sports science degree looking into collagen and impact on tendon recovery with that. So I've always been interested in that aspect and um, yeah, just try and do all the one percenters, which are probably a lot more than one percent actually. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, and I'm guessing in the hospital itself, it's, I mean, obviously they provide the food for you, but it's, it's not something necessarily that they focused on in terms of nutrition in that sort of immediate post-op period. Yeah, um, definitely not. I think um, with the little note that Steph left on my whiteboard after surgery, they actually did give me a lot more protein and I think they initially would have. Um, so embarrassing <laughs> note was probably worth it. Um, but yeah, yeah, they're not super great with it. I think the morning after surgery, I got some pretty bland porridge with probably about half a cup of milk and some fruit. So Steph was pretty quick to inform yeah. me that this does not fulfill my protein requirement for tissue healing. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. I mean, I'm, I can see from the hospital's point of view, you know, protein-containing foods are generally the most expensive. So when you're running to a, a pretty tight budget in terms of food service, I can understand why that wouldn't wouldn't happen necessarily as much as we would like. Um, and thinking about your, your current injury, uh, obviously, you know, you had surgery recently, so that's, you know, being completely off your feet. But prior to that, was it a situation where you were suddenly, you know, training full stick one day and then not training the next day? Or was it kind of a, a gradual reduction as the injury developed? Um, yeah, it was definitely a gradual reduction um, when I probably stopped running or running consistently, like halfway through last year. Um, I was hitting the bike pretty hard, so I was training more hours than I would have been if I was running. So um, I was probably eating more, actually, just mm -hmm. doing like really long like four or five hour rides and stuff like that um so increased my intake with that and fueling on the bike is something I learned about too because I never really had to fuel um during exercise with my runs never being that long um but then yeah later yeah. especially in the last few months post-injury we just tried to um put down the cross training a lot because that was not helping my recovery in the end so um wasn't doing a heat but just yeah. doing a bit of strength stuff and light bike yeah. Yeah. And so this time around, or, or even in past injuries, where you've gone from sort of, you know, a big training load to a very little or nothing in a short space of time, have you found that your appetite kind of manages to adjust itself for that change in training volume? Or do you find that that's something you really have to consciously think about? Um, I think it does naturally adjust, like gradually. Um, yeah, this current injury has probably been the only time honestly that I haven't cross-trained like crazy um so it's mm -hmm. been an adjustment but um yeah not too bad mm. and I mean I guess there's the the physical hunger the appetite side of things but then there's just the I don't know psychological is the right word but you know you, you you've got habits in terms of you know how much breakfast cereal you put in a bowl or what size portions you serve up at meals or um you know, those kind of things. Has that been, a, a, has that taken any kind of mental adjustment in terms of like, I'm not training, so I don't need all of this food? Um, yeah, I think it has for sure. Um, I think Steph's been great with that. Just made me more aware of like, even though I'm not training hard, still making sure I'm having the right amount of food and having enough um, for injury recovery. I probably also yeah. more recently in the last few years try and not put too much pressure on myself. Like obviously injuries are pretty stressful and not a super fun time. So um, try and not go crazy with being super strict with diet and stuff like that. Just making sure I'm getting good nutrition and helping myself recover and stay sane as best as I can. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, as we heard last week, obviously, uh, the quality of nutrition uh, becomes really important because obviously if you're eating less overall because of the training volume, but you still need to get in the protein and the vitamins and minerals and fiber and things like that, um, you probably, yeah, over, you know, increases the emphasis on the need for, um, you know, high quality nutrition in terms of, um, you know, whole foods and uh, lack of processed foods, I guess, to a degree as well. Yeah. Okay. And I think also in uh, in Kate's case as well, um, you know, in terms of her energy expenditure, it's it's reduced in terms of the amount of training she was doing and the cross training she was doing. But then it's not probably reduced as much because she um, she's also got the crutches and like we're walking and now like you know we're allowed to put a little bit of load on there. So you know we're doing sort of one k walks around around our block, etc. And and that really fatigues her and it's quite you know an energy expensive process there as well. So um, yeah. Um, I think that's probably why you, you, you've still got that appetite. Um, and Kate's a person that she'll try and see what she can do um, and, and she will do it. Um, so, uh, yeah, whereas I know myself when I was injured, I was kind of like, okay, well, I can't, do, I can't do as much and I just probably wouldn't wouldn't do the things that I probably should in terms of, um, you know, doing certain things in the gym that I actually mm. can do. Um, I would just be more lazy, I guess, whereas, yeah. Sit around and watch Netflix. Yeah, sit around and watch Netflix, whereas Kate's like, okay, I can do this, I can do that. So, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> mm, so, um, Kate, in terms of your understanding of the role that nutrition plays in regards to helping injury recovery, what what do you understand about that? Um, right now, I think my knowledge is pretty alright, thanks to Steph and my studies. But yeah, like I said earlier, um, in high school years, it definitely wasn't that great or didn't appreciate it enough. But yeah, now um, nutrition definitely does have such a huge impact on the prevention side of things, so muscle, tendon, bone strength, and then also in that healing mm-hmm. of those similar tissues as well. And so what are some key, I guess, nutrition changes or things that you have been more mindful of in terms of helping your recovery? Um, protein has been huge. Um, so, yeah, having four protein hits a day. So Steph's got me on to 30 grams. She's kind of suggesting I have um in each of those four protein hits a day so that's something I definitely wouldn't have done if it wasn't for Steph's great influence um (laughs) and then yeah collagen as well I need to probably get onto that more than I currently am but yeah having collagen to help with that tissue healing as well um those tendons yeah yeah um and what about you know your energy intake as well um have you been have you found that you have reduced that um, compared to when you're training a lot or um, yeah it's definitely reduced um, compared to when I was running like 120 k's a week um, but mm-hmm. yeah still trying to making make sure that I'm having enough so I've like probably in that first week post-surgery as well definitely didn't have much of an appetite so made sure I had things like smoothies where I put in like fruits um, milk collagen WPI just making sure I'm getting some quality mm-hmm. nutrition even when I don't really feel like food and it's a bit of a struggle. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
And, and just on the collagen, Kate, how how often are you taking that a day and what sort of dose? Um, usually try and have like two tablespoons and haven't had it every day but need to get onto that more um, and then having it pre, um, pre-exercise as well. So I've got a little bit of rehab stuff where I just do like banded ankle um, mobility and strength. So having it before you put that load on the tendon is what I've found is the best way to do it. Yep. But I'm sure you guys can tell me better. Yeah. Okay. And and so yep. you don't sit there and, and you know, when you're not getting the collagen in and it's it's too far to go over to the kitchen, you don't sort of wave your crutch in that direction. Come on, Steph, you're the dietitian. Collagen me. I should do that. Yeah. Yeah, well I, I need to <laughs> more. So Steph, come on. well actually I think Alan that I have been reminding her about the collagen because she was so keen on taking it so I was saying you know like from Beck's talk well let's see if you can get it in twice a day Um, I do know that she's taking the right amount so she's getting in the 15 to 20 grams when she when she does it um but yeah lately she she probably hasn't been on to that as much but the most important thing I think is making sure she's getting in the protein hits and that one there I'm definitely keeping an eye on because when she grabs one yogurt I'm like how does that get you your 30 and so then she'll grab another yogurt um so we're making sure she's getting the hits which is good yeah cool and with the collagen actually Kate how do you find, like, compared to say the you know you mentioned WPI, so whey protein isolate, which I guess is your more kind of standard protein shake. What does the collagen taste like for those who haven't had it before in comparison to say whey protein? Is there much difference in taste? Um, well, usually the collagen I buy is unflavored um, compared to the WPI, which I usually get some sort of flavor. But um, I don't mind the taste of it. It doesn't really taste like anything. It kind of gives a bit of a creamy texture, I guess. So. Um, put it in smoothies you literally don't notice it probably just makes it more creamy and same with coffee um for a while I was mixing it like when in the neutral with like ice um and banana and orange juice which is really nice Hmm. um but yeah it's pretty good okay yeah and she gets the you've got the hydrolyzed one as well yeah Mm. yeah you know, just just interested in obviously people out there who maybe haven't tried collagen before and maybe sitting there going is it disgusting yeah, n- no, I don't think so. And I think because often, you, you, you know, you use a, you're flavouring it. So, yeah, it's always usually in a, in a shake or a smoothie of some sort. Um, but it doesn't seem to overpower um, like some like pea and rice proteins yeah. can. Yeah, cool. probably also making sure you buy the right one. I think when I first started buying it, you'd buy one that said collagen, but it'd actually be only like 20% collagen had all this other stuff in it. So making sure you're looking at the ingredients. Um, pretty important as well yeah because otherwise you take you know 20 or 25 gram dose but to discover you're only getting four grams of collagen or something Mm -hmm. yeah 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 and Kate also I guess another aspect that people probably don't always like to talk about but you were on some pretty heavy painkillers to help with especially in that initial acute period of of recovery after the surgery um what impact did that have on your body um and then what then influenced i guess your nutrition to change in that way um yeah definitely had a few impacts um bit of digestive issues um and then just fatigue um i think loss of appetite maybe as well um so mm-hmm. increased my fiber intake so what was the fiber thing you got me on Steph? 
Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it impacted on bowel movement. Um, so obviously a, a common aspect of the painkillers is it can um, have an impact on, um, yeah, on the bowels and we can get more constipated uh, when we have heavy painkillers. So um, we increase your fibre intake and we use NormaFibe. Uh, so, yeah, just a, a type of fibre um, supplement to help your bowels move. Uh, and then your lovely mother also got you some prunes. Yeah. So, um, and it didn't take long, did it, um, for your bowels to um, start working again? <laughs> Steph can't help herself. She cannot help herself at all. There has to be some discussion about bowels or bowel movement at any opportunity. <laughs> just natural you know it is i think we forget as dietitians uh how, how much we like to talk about <laughs> bowels and bowel movements yeah exactly exactly um so did you find it challenging at times to i guess practice good nutrition considering how immobile you you were particularly in that first couple of weeks where you had to you know really elevate your leg and if it was down for too long it was throbbing um, obviously that then meant you're not as easily able to move around and therefore probably make your own things in terms of the kitchen. Um, so what, yeah, what happened there for you in terms of being able to access good nutrition? Um, I think in terms of the type of food I was having, like high quality um, nutritious foods, that was easy to do because I kind of always eat that way. Um, but then more so yeah. just making sure I'm having those protein hits um, was a bit of a struggle at times, just not being hungry and <laughs> just hurting whenever I move. Um, but yeah, yeah. just kind of having easier go-to options, like plenty of yogurts in the fridge. And um, Steph and I get like dynamic meals, so just some high-quality meals that are pretty easy to heat up. Um, and then yeah, having the help of Steph and family and stuff like that um, made it hard, but it was much more doable with help, so not too bad. Mhm. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so I think like um, that's one aspect where uh, you know you had the support, particularly of your um, of your mum. Uh, so she's been really good, being able to do the shopping um, and prepare meals and stock up the fridge. Uh, and I think like just for me, just seeing that that's definitely something I need to consider when I work with athletes is um, you know it's very well for me to be able to recommend this advice but we really need to consider the practical aspect of you know well how can they access that food they may not be able to get to the shops um they may not uh, be able to you know make a lot of things in the kitchen so we need to consider making what we recommend quite easy and practical as well yeah and i think also like if you think about particularly cyclists like if you've fractured a collarbone or something um and you've got your right arm in a sling and you're right-handed, that makes life a lot trickier as well. So there's a few other things, sort of added complications, I guess, that can happen, particularly for upper limb kind of injuries. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yep, cool. definitely. Um, we've talked a little bit about collagen already, Kate, and it's obviously a pretty popular supplement on the market for injury recovery. Uh, we've talked about, I guess, you know, using that already, um, and it sounds like probably the... I mean, you've done a bit of research on this in your sports science degree previously. 
Um, is that sort of what the main influence on, on choosing to use that particular product? Yeah, definitely. Um, kind of prompted me on that. I guess I heard a lot of people getting bone injuries and they're obviously increasing calcium, vitamin D intake helped with that. And I was like, well, I don't get as many bone injuries. What can I do to help tendon injuries? So um, that's what prompted my research, I guess. Yep. Yep. Everyone likes to do it in me search and find out things that will help them. Yeah, for sure. Um, any other supplements that you that you take or are using uh, sort of during this injury recovery period specifically for that reason? Um, I have WPI, so just for the convenience and the high quality protein in that. Um, not so much post-surgery, but a while ago I was taking some anti-inflammatory um, supplements, so fish oil, turmeric, um, but haven't been taking that more recently. Yep. Cool. All right. And anything else, I guess, from this experience, from, you know, living with a sports dietitian, from your own sort of um, working in your sports science degree or, or just from experience and talking to other runners, any other things uh, around nutrition and injury that, that we haven't sort of touched on or, or you think are kind of uh, un, underappreciated, I guess, amongst the running community? Um, I think we've touched on a fair bit. Um, probably more just making sure that education and research is put out there. Um, I think I probably saw it more in the junior community, just girls not appreciating the role that nutrition has on injury and recovery. Um, so making sure that awareness is really brought about. Mm. And what about also, Kate, you work with um, some of the people you coach as well, are mums. Um, do you find that sometimes they could struggle with getting in the nutrition or the energy intake because they're you know, often doing a whole heap of errands and looking after their kids. Do you find that that maybe is a key area? Yeah, definitely. Um, and then the education too, a lot of them coming to running later in life. So things that um, you and I might think everyone knows, they might not not necessarily. So um, having those protein hits, timing, um, things like that as well. Right, well, I think it is time for our bonus round. So this is where we find out a little bit more about you, Kate. Um, so the first question, if you could do anything besides what you're doing now, so studying osteopathy and, and running, um, I guess if you think maybe about a different uni degree that you might have liked to do or, or career path that you might like to have taken, um, what do you think you would do instead? Mm, it's a tricky one. I do love the path I'm on right now, um, but after sports science, I was at a point considering exercise physiology. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess that's probably what I'd do if I didn't do osteopathy. Yep. Fair enough. Okay. Um, anything on your bucket list that you haven't done yet? Mm, um, I don't know if this is technically a bucket list thing, but probably every year I say I just want to go one year without being injured. So <laughs> maybe that's my. 2022. Yeah, not goal. too much to ask, I think. <laughs> no, nah, fair enough. Um, now, this is not necessarily related to nutrition and injury, which we're talking about today, but do you think that there's a particular one or two sort of key nutrition practices, I guess, as a, a runner and a coach that you think runners in general could do better or that you think um, they, they kind of miss? Um, I think probably just being aware of 
energy intake versus expenditure. Um, probably everyone looks at their Garmin and sees how many calories they've burned and things like that. Um, this definitely isn't too accurate. Um, and then just knowing the link to that and injury prevention and recovery yep. in multiple ways. Yep. Cool. Um, is there any particular sports that you've you've seen and you've gone, oh, that'd be really great to try one day, but you've, you've never really had the chance? Hmm. Um, I've tried this one, but definitely want to do it more and um, more seriously maybe if I didn't already have so many running injuries. Um, snowboarding I quite like, so yep. um, doing some more jumps and tricks on that would be cool. Yeah, yeah, and always challenging in Melbourne because our snow season's so hit and miss, I think. Um, and I'd say higher risk for injury too. Yeah, that doesn't help. <laughs> I wanted to go this year, but... Yeah. COVID's kind of shot us in the foot. Although I think the resorts are open this year. You have to present a negative test to get in, I think. Well, not at the moment because we're in lockdown, but previous yeah. to that. Yeah. yeah. All right. And so our final question for you, Kate, do you live by any piece of advice or motto? Hmm. Um, probably just it sounds corny as it sounds, kind of everything happens for a reason. There's always a positive or something you learn out of it so for me um just being injured so much i wouldn't really be on the career path i am or doing what i am right now if i hadn't been injured so much and definitely learned a lot of lessons yeah and when you went to the states on a scholarship we was that your sports science degree that you were studying over there yeah so i actually started um studying osteo and then because osteo is a little different there um did sports science there so thanks so much for your time, Kate. It's great to hear uh, things are on the mend um, and good to get your take on, I guess, the interaction between nutrition and, and injury. Uh, as we said, we're not going to talk too much about injury prevention today. That'll be a future episode, but obviously in the, the recovery stage. So best of luck with the recovery. Hope it all goes well uh, and hopefully you get back to, to running really soon. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. The lovely Kate Gifford. Uh, so uh, it was really good to, to hear, I think, just practically how, um, you know, we as practitioners can give out this nutrition advice for injury recovery. Um, but it's, it's good to be able to see how it can be uh, tricky and there can be hurdles in, in order to meet some of those nutrition practices that we may recommend. Um, but Alan, did you want to sum up, I guess, what we've learned from Beck and Kate in terms of what we can practice nutrition-wise for injury recovery and re rehab? Sure. Yeah. And I think um, there's a few sort of key messages in there. Um, and I think, you know, as, as Beck alluded to, uh, around some of the college stuff, it's still fairly early days in some of that research. So while we like to get very excited about this kind of stuff, uh, it could be that five years ago, no one's talking about college and we just don't know yet. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, if, if we take a step back and look at it more broadly, I mean, I guess the first thing we think about sort of calories. So, you know, you suddenly get injured and your training stops overnight or reduces significantly. Um, then you know the temptation is to cut back on your calories because you don't want to gain body fat and you're worried about body you know body composition uh, that you then have to sort of work back into as you you rehab from injury uh, and I guess the the main thing is a word of caution there that if you restrict what you're eating too much it can actually um, theoretically at least um, impair the healing process 
And so that's not something that we would want to encourage um, because the healing process does take in extra energy compared to just sitting at home and doing nothing. So there is actually a, a calorie expenditure because of the injury itself and the recovery process, and particularly in the earliest parts, you know, the earliest days and weeks of the injury, obviously, depending on how severe it is. Um, and then I guess if we look a bit further afield, then, then just purely the calories and start looking at particular sort of nutrients. Uh, protein is obviously one that we talked about a bit um, in terms of, you know, optimizing protein to prevent loss of muscle because you're potentially immobilized and or just not training as much. Um, so that's, that's an important one. And obviously we need those amino acids to to rebuild and repair and, and so forth, like we talked a little bit about with um, Isabella Russell when we talked about recovery. So there's that element to it. And then if we're talking um, specifically about collagen, which um, makes up um, a reasonable chunk of the composition of both bone and um, also connective tissue, so our ligaments and tendons, um, then that's where there's a, a theoretical use for collagen, uh, hydrolyzed collagen supplementation. So a specific type of protein powder, I guess, from collagen rather than from you know whey protein or something like that, uh, and simply because it provides those two amino acids that are abundant in collagen, so proline and, and glycine, whereas it's hard to get large amounts of those amino acids from other foods. Not impossible, but obviously a lot harder. Um, and then I guess thinking a bit further afield than that, um, you know, we've got all the, the goodies uh, that we get inside our fruits and vegetables and things in terms of um, vitamins, minerals, uh, phytonutrients, um, all of those kind of things. And um, again, it's thought that all of those will play small but potentially useful roles in injury repair and rehabilitation. So I guess diet quality overall is important as well. So, uh, you know, don't skimp too far on the calories. Don't restrict it too much. Uh, make sure you've still got regular quality serves of protein. Just because you're not training doesn't mean that the protein's not there or not necessary. And then... Um, you know, trying to get that variety of, um, of you know, whole foods, particularly fruit and vegetables, to get all the, the antioxidants and the vitamins and minerals and things like that. And then the only other one, which again, I think the evidence is not 100% clear on, but uh, there is some promising evidence is around uh, fish oil supplementation, uh, which, which Beck talked about as well. Uh, and then I think, you know, from the practical side of things, you know, uh, we've talked a little bit with Kate about some of those things being off your feet. Um, you know, she's pretty resourceful, although she's pretty independent as well. Um, but yeah, obviously, depending on the nature of your injury, depends on how mobile you are, how much help you need. Uh, and that can be a barrier to getting quality nutrition in. Um, and then obviously the psychological side of things, if you're feeling pretty stressed, feeling pretty crappy because of the fact that you're injured and you're not able to, to train, um, then, then that might have a, a, an impact on your food choices as well. So just being mindful of that. Anything yeah. I missed? Yeah. No, I think summed it up really well. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, I think it's just about, yeah, try, try and just continue to eat a really good quality diet. Um, and, yes, if your training's cut back, um, energy expenditure may have been reduced a bit, but as Alan mentioned, um, it's still ticking along with that recovery process. And then just dependent on the injury, um, you know, if you're on crutches or um, whatever else, that's going to also impact on energy expenditure as well for people. So, um, yeah, don't don't skimp on 
on your nutrition, uh, it can play an important role for your recovery and rehab. Um, and I guess you want to get back as quick as you can and nutrition can help you do that. And it's perhaps also a time where you might be feeling a bit down because you are injured and that's, you know, really, really common. Um, you're not able to do something you love that can put a downer on things. Um, nutrition's also really important on that front as well. Um, we'll have an episode upcoming in terms of the, the importance of food for mood and food for mental health too. So um, having a quality diet will, will help with the mental health side of it as well. Um, but yeah, uh, I think hopefully that helps people with knowing where to start with the nutrition for their injury rehab. Uh, so thinking about uh, if you do have any questions, please post them out to us on social media, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at The Long Munch. And you can listen to us on all your popular platforms. And then the only thing is we have a bit of a surprise for next week's episode, don't we, Alan? Yes, a surprise in that we haven't decided exactly what the topic will be yet. Uh, we've got a couple sort of rattling around and just working out which one we're going to record first um, to, yes. to have that as next week's episode. So, yeah, we, we won't tell you exactly what it is, but uh, if you look out on our <laughs> socials uh, at The Long Munch, then uh, you, you'll see it come through probably early next week. It'll be a surprise to us too. It will. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Cool. Well, that's all for now and uh, thanks for listening. Yeah, enjoy it. Stay safe, everyone. Uh, enjoy the Olympics over the next couple of weeks. Mm. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with uh, another great topic. <laughs>